0: Snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? Hi, we're glad you're here, and we're about to begin. KenCast After Dark. Stimulating conversations all night long. And here's your host, Ken Cole.
1: Welcome to another KenCast After Dark. It's wonderful to have you here with us tonight. Uh, Tonight's a special night because we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones. That's right. Indiana Jones 5 is about to come into theaters, though a lot of us are very familiar with the Indiana Jones series. We've watched them for many years and we are going to talk about the first four Indiana Jones movies. And in order to do that, I thought I would bring in one of the great movie experts on the internet, especially with nostalgic movies like uh, the Indiana Jones series. It is my pleasure to welcome Drew Rohali. Drew, how are you tonight?
0: (laughs) I'm doing great, Ken. It's it's always a pleasure to be on the KenCast, especially KenCast After Dark. I'm excited to talk a little Indiana Jones with you. It's been a while since I've seen them all, but man, I love these movies. (laughs) I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, it's great to have you, and I agree. I love these movies. It's so much fun to uh, watch them again and rediscover our favorite moments, and I'm really looking forward to having this deep-dive conversation with you. But before we get going, I was wondering if you could tell everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching, why the Indiana Jones series means so much to
0: you. Man, that's a that's a loaded question, but <laughs> I, I'll try my best. Uh, I think, you know, these movies... I grew up watching them, I think, probably like a lot of other people that grew up in the 80s and 90s. Harrison Ford is sort of an iconic actor, and these villains, like, everybody loves a good villain. That's why we love Terry Silver so much. But I feel like the villains of these movies and just the spectacle of them, um, you don't see a lot of movies set in that 1930s, 1940s time, too. And they're sort of like period pieces, but they're done so well, and uh, it's a history- that I didn't live. So, you know, it's, it's really cool, right? It was way before I was born. But um, I just think they're made so well. Like Steven Spielberg is an expert filmmaker, obviously. We don't need to talk about his credentials. But uh, man, it, it, it's just a fun series. And it brings so much nostalgia back to me. I don't know if you feel the same.
1: Yeah, I do feel the same, and you're right about Steven Spielberg. Sometimes you can forget just because his movies are so popular, you almost take them for granted. But yeah. watching these, especially after watching so many other movies, you can just see just how much of a master he is, and how much joy is in all of these movies. And I agree with you. There's something about it. It's like a throwback, you know, to those old serials. But it's sort of multi generational. It like speaks to all generations. It. I don't know. It captures that essence of adventure. I think. Yeah. Um, it's it's wonderful, and you have all that ancient historical intrigue and everything. It's uh, it's great. So, Drew, um, before we get going tonight, uh, I thought we should let people know about some news. Uh, we like to. <laughs> <laughs> just a we like. News. Yeah, just we enjoy uh, uh, letting people know about news. So uh, here we go. Ken Cast News. First up, Drew, you are co-host <laughs> of The Last Row Podcast, which is an amazing podcast. Everyone watching this needs to go uh, listen to The Last Row Podcast. The new episode is RoboCop. Drew, can you take us through The Last Row Podcast and uh, why you chose RoboCop?
0: Yeah, so we've been meaning to do this Paul Verhoeven classic for many, many years. And uh, my my good friend and co-host, Badway, wound up picking this one. But it's a movie that I hadn't seen in forever and we tend to do a lot of '80s, '90s. We we tend to shade towards the action genre, but it's just some of our favorites. But it's a it's a classic, right? We talk about the movies you forgot you loved, and maybe some others. So th- this particular episode was a lot of fun. We we had a, a really fun time breaking down probably the silliest things, like private bathrooms private executive bathrooms and what (laughs) should be in there and what was actually in there in this in this movie we talked a little bit about what it's like working at ocp corporation uh and uh we talked a lot about robocop's car and what he should have had versus the 1987 ford Taurus that he wound up driving so we had a lot of fun you guys uh if you if you like that movie hopefully we did it justice but check it out (laughs) uh we'd love for you to to listen to it and and let us know what you think (laughs) And uh, not
1: to give away anything from the podcast, though, you did tease you might potentially be doing the sequels yes. as well. Up.
0: Yeah, I, I'll reveal it here because why not? Better better here than anywhere else. But uh, my co-host Badway had the, the great idea of doing sort of a summer of sequels. So we'll have RoboCop coming up too. We're going to post an actual schedule for once where we (laughs) we put out, you know, through probably the end of September, our next set of movies. So if you guys follow along with us, then you can watch ahead of time and try to catch up before we actually release some of these things. But we're going to do some of the sequels to some of the movies that we've done already so we recently did child's play so we'll probably do child's play too uh this is obviously a prime for a sequel there's i still know what you did last summer movies like that so we'll, i'll leave it a little surprise but we'll post it on all of our social media so follow us at the last row pod on twitter facebook instagram wherever you guys uh, are on the social networks and so we'll, we'll post that out there in the coming weeks Absolutely. And if you guys are watching this
1: on YouTube, I put some links down in in the description for the last row podcast. Definitely check them out. Um, And then, Drew, we have another huge announcement Uh, this Sunday. All you Cobra Kai fans, all you Karate Kid fans, we are having Hayden Schlossberg live on Kencast this Sunday Uh, to talk about Karate Kid 3. This is going to be just a Karate Kid 3 conversation. He's a huge fan. Uh, It's really a special group, Drew, who are super fans of Karate Kid 3. But even if you're just a mild fan of Cobra Kai and Karate Kid, this is going to be a lot of fun. Drew, you're going to be with us (laughs) on Sunday, as well as Badway.
0: I'm, I I can tell you that we're both super excited because I I mean, I know how big of a fan you are of Terry Silver. I know how big of a fan Hayden is. And uh, I know he's dropped into your, your chats a few times when we were doing some of the epic live streams just to get his perspective on Terry Silver and maybe what Terry means to him just in this group of the brain trust of Terry Silver. I, I'm really excited. It's going to be awesome. It's an honor. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Oh, absolutely, Drew. We wouldn't have it any other way. Everyone, definitely mark your calendars for Sunday. It's going to be 12 p.m. Pacific time, wherever you are in the world. Uh, join us and uh, join us in this amazing conversation about Karate Kid 3. Let's dive right into this Indiana Jones discussion.
0: Ken Cast Discussion.
1: It's so official. <laughs> All right, Drew. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Let's start... By going over our first memories of Indiana Jones, what what is your first memory of watching an Indiana Jones movie or of hearing about Indiana Jones?
0: I think the other than the iconic, like look, you know, the the costume, the the, the hat and the whip and and everything is the music. Uh, I, I know someone mentioned earlier they're listening to the new score for for the for the new film, but. The music is up there in terms of iconic. I mean, it's John Williams type music, right? It's it's up there with the Star Wars theme song, with the Superman '78 theme song. Like, it's so iconic when you hear that music. Even if I feel like, even if, if you don't know the movie, you know, oh man, that's probably it's like Indiana Jones, right? It's so iconic, and I feel like I used to listen to a lot of like orchestral scores and and a lot of that stuff growing up, and I had a, a John Williams CD, and like all of that music just really stood out to me and just it's so iconic so that and also just the the like relics and the Ark of the covenant like the visual of that and the ending of that movie is like ingrained in my my brain (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's
1: one that really uh captures the imagination doesn't it it's like
0: whoa that's that's so great um exactly
1: (laughs) it's so uh so how old were you when you first saw anything indiana jam
0: Man, I, to be honest, I don't even remember because I, I feel like I remember it's one of like the first, like first movies that I remember seeing, especially Raiders of the Lost Ark, just because it, it was on TV a lot too, even if you didn't have like the VHS, you know, I'm dating myself, but even if you didn't have the VHS tape, or anything, I feel like it was on TV quite a bit. And I remember watching, um I probably was I mean, I was probably under 10 when I would see it on TV and stuff. And I I would watch it every single time because I liked history too. I thought history, ancient Egypt, like all of that stuff was so fascinating to me. And I feel like this combined that with the action and the adventure of like a big budget movie. And I thought that that was so cool. So the fact that it combined those two things, you got to learn a little bit about history. I liked World War II growing up too. So right around that pre-World War II era with like the, the Nazis searching for relics that was also another big part of why I think I really enjoyed this series as well, especially Raiders of the Lost Ark and then I think The Last Crusade. So how old were you when you when you first saw this? Were you super young? I want to say
1: I was probably around 10 or a little bit under 10. I think I first heard about Indiana Jones during the promotion when I was really young of Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Like yeah. That was a big movie and I remember we went to Disney world that same summer and they opened the MGM studios and they had the Indiana Jones Epic stunt spectacular. So I think it was like the year leading up to that. I maybe like you saw it on television or something like that. And I remember trying to check out the, the novelization of Indiana Jones and the last crusade from the library. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I think after that, yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, that library, our town library, Medfield public library, Al knows it. Well, um, had on they only had temple of doom and so i just you know you could check it out for free so i remember checking that out multiple times when i was young so that was kind of my my main indiana jones movie um before I, you know, went back and saw them all together. So,
0: yeah. I yeah. love the novelization of movies. Like I remember reading the Batman 89 book from my library like in, you know, just some of the scenes where you you don't think anything when he's climbing the stairs, like the detail that they go into with that in the Star Wars books too. Just the novelizations of the movies. If you enjoy a good movie and you haven't read the novels, like it actually adds quite a bit to the experience, I feel. I recommend people check them out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in the days where maybe things took a while to get to video or you didn't have the video accessible or you were going on a trip or, you know, we have electronics everywhere now. Sure. Like those novels you could take with you anywhere and you could re-experience that, like as you say, on a deeper level, you know, if you're yeah. in the car or on a trip or something like that, so. Um, so, yes, um, we have some amazing comments. Marianella says In my country, there was an actor who was nicknamed Indiana Jones for his resemblance <laughs> to Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Jay Wigan. <laughs> hey, Jay. <laughs> hey, what's up, Jay? Uh, yes, great avatar. Uh, Silver beats Indiana Jones. He's afraid of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's spot on, Jay. That is spot on. <laughs> you are. That is so right. Oh, my gosh. Um, indeed. Got to fear the Cobras. Uh, <laughs> Marianelle says, uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, epic. Uh, Donnie Pearson says, I miss Sir Sean Connery. Indeed, he was, he was really great. Uh, Cecilia has her own story. I saw Temple of Doom shortly after it came out. I was six. Scariest movie I had seen other than Dark
0: Crystal. That is, that is a scary movie for six years old. It's not Very often scary. that you see a heart being removed from someone's chest cavity, so it's <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: scary. It is pretty scary. And uh, Paula says Emmett just finished a Lego set. Oh, that's great! Indiana Jones Lego set. I bet that's that's pretty awesome. That's cool. Um, so Drew, uh, let's before we're going to talk about these movies and. What we like about them we're going to rank them you know our own personal rankings everyone has their has their own rankings um but should we do kind of an overview of these movies sure. i i know most people have seen them but but let's do let's do kind of an overview uh so so let me throw this up here's uh the poster for raiders of the lost ark the original poster and this movie came out in 1981 and um Drew, could you give us kind of just a very general overview of what this movie did, Why maybe why it was so different to every other movie that's come out. And um, I don't know, what, what gave it that lasting impact and maybe what happened during this movie?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what was really cool about this film was it, we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but it added this sort of adventure to history. And an action, action adventure to to like historic type things, right? Now the Ark of the Covenant is the primary artifact that they're searching for in this film, and you know it's around the Nazis trying to get this this artifact and and sort of the race to to get it. There's you know Indiana Jones is is going against like a rival archaeologist, Bellick, and you know when you when you grow up you think about archaeologists are just digging in the dirt, they're just you know with their brushes and taping stuff off, but this sort of added this. uh I don't know. It's like a really cool adventure. Like we, I hate to say it again, but it's like the adventure action style that went on top of it. It sort of made archaeology cool, so to speak. And I think that's why it was was received so well. Because you know, up until then, it's like people are digging up dinosaur bones or something like that. And not that that's not cool, but when you're fighting for something against the Nazis, I mean, that's kind of interesting just by itself. Uh, so, and Harrison Ford, I mean, just look at him in that poster. He looks so cool, like so cool. And, uh, I know like there's, there's things about wearing a fedora and a hat, but man, he makes it look awesome. And he was just, and the fact that he's like a professor too, at like a college, like imagine if that guy was your teacher, like how cool is that? So I don't know, it kind of was all over the place, but you know, they, they ultimately were looking for this Ark of the Covenant and that in particular is something that's always had some really interesting like history to it. It's like, you know, it's a religious artifact, uh, there's, you know, you learn about that in, in school growing up, maybe, or, or whatever. But the fact that that was sort of in a movie, it's like, what is it, you know, especially as a kid, you know, you're a kid, you don't really understand what that is. You just remember the the box that it came in, you know, you don't know that it's like the stone tablets or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the fight against the Nazis was was a big part of this movie, and I, I really liked it. So it combined a lot of those things in, into one. And that's what I think makes it so iconic, it, and Harrison Ford. <laughs> so Yes, I agree. It's, it,
1: it's perfect casting. Harrison Ford is absolutely perfect casting, coming hot off the heels of Star Wars. This character, this whole series was created by George Lucas. He came up with the idea, like Star Wars. And- and drew one of the things i think this series did so well like star wars did is it was inspired by the old serial all the old adventure mm-hmm. serials and it was a modern movie at the time but it was really done in that style in that old style and it done very well and i think that's why star wars was successful because it had that energy uh maybe that pulpiness to it and uh that's why this is great it's like a constant cliffhangers it's an adventure what's going to happen next and um you brought up the ark of the covenant and it, you know this is one of the, it's a religious artifact i have to admit like the mystery yeah. of the ark of the covenant i this movie really made it seem very mysterious and you know you go and you start to read about it and yes it was lost yeah. and no one knows where it is and i love that that it's a real life mystery that everyone wants to know where it is and this movie will take you on an adventure to find it. And what, what is going to happen when they find it? What's it going to be like? You know,
0: I think that's, that's spot on Ken, because the mystery regarding this thing and the fact that it, you know, is a real thing according to, you know, to history and everything, right. That's what makes it so intriguing because there were people that were looking for this thing. It's not some made up. I mean, it, as far as we know, right? It's not some made up thing. But uh, it wasn't like invented, right? It was it was from history for, for you know, thousands of years here at this point. And, and that's like really cool. The fact that it was lost and the fact that they made a movie about it. And, you know, there is, there is well documented history of like the Nazis in World War Two looking for religious artifacts and, and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can read about that. And uh, I think that's what what made this movie so intriguing. And uh, I like I like how you tied it back a little bit to Star Wars as well, with George Lucas's involvement. There are some similarities to these series and movies, um, and the fact that Harrison Ford's in both is is pretty awesome too. Uh, you know, like Han Solo is a really cool character by himself, and then the fact that he also plays Indiana Jones. I mean, that's why Harrison Ford's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> he's so cool. <laughs>
1: yeah i totally totally agree and then and of course this movie went on to become an absolute smash uh complete blockbuster this launched obviously people were fans of harrison ford um from star wars but this really solidified him as like a star beyond star wars like um a leading man like just so he's a superstar from this movie and obviously they're gonna make another one so um a few years later in 1984 we get Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom so Drew I know and we'll get into this I I know that uh you have an affection for this movie as well Yes what is going on with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom like what what's the overview of it and I don't know how is it different from Raiders and and all of that
0: Yeah this this one's it's way darker right I I think we were just talking about how like as a kid this one's pretty it's scary right i mean there's this child slavery aspect to this film so i think the story is that they're going to recover like a sacred stone uh, from the village right and there's these i believe it's five correct me if i'm wrong but there's these sacred stones that and one was stolen and they're used in all this like ritualistic sacrifice type activities in this movie there's this child slavery there's a black magic aspect of it uh there's a lot of like mysterious intrigue and when you talk about like the temple of doom I mean just the name of that is is it's very descriptive as to what the movie is it's a like a literally a dark movie they're in caves and um you know it's just it's very different than the first one and I I like Indiana Jones gets sort of possessed at one point right under like a magic spell mm-hmm. um there's there's a lot of like it's almost like a cult. Like I hate to say, yes. you know, ghost, but like raise a cult here. But there's a lot of a cult, and it's just very different. Um, still supernatural though, and, and not religious. I mean, not religious in a sense of you know the the kind that we think of with the the Ark of the Covenant. But um, there's there's a lot of evil in this one too. Not like it's a different kind of evil than the Nazis. I mean, obviously, how much more evil can you get than Nazis? But it's almost like the, like we said, this occult. Black magic, sorcery, kind of thing, and uh, the the fact that there was like child slavery and, and a lot of children involved too, also makes it quite a bit darker as well. I mean, they ultimately free them and, and save everybody, but this uh, this one definitely takes a little bit different of a, of a turn from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know. I, I I mean, we'll definitely talk about our favorites, but I love a lot of moments in this film. But I know that sometimes people look at it, it's very like, at, at least as far as I'm s- s- sure, it seems polarizing whether people love it or, or hate it. I don't know. <laughs> right, right.
1: And, you know, as you're saying, it's dark. And we had one of the commenters earlier saying they, they saw it when they were six. Uh, and there's that scene, Drew, where he, Mola Ram, reaches into the guy's yeah. chest and pulls out his beating heart and <laughs> holds it up like that was crazy and um this movie is one yeah. of the movies i think Remlins was the other one but that really created the pg-13 rating because this yep. movie was only rated pg and um
0: <laughs> talk about I, deceptive
1: <laughs> I, I mean this movie is probably borderline r i it would is. think if, uh, and you know the thing is though like even watching it as a kid do you feel like it negatively affected you watching this movie that it was so scary or
0: I, I mean, I remember watching the scene with Bola Ram pulling the heart out and, and like when it like hit the expression on his face as he, like he has this like joyful expression that was sort of ingrained in me for a while. Like I remember, I don't want to say I had nightmares about that, but I do remember thinking like, wow, that's pretty creepy. And, and, you know, the way that they had the person strapped in, uh, you know, there, there's there's movies from this, this era where I, I feel like maybe, right, like you've mentioned, the creating of the PG-13 rating, whether you think that was good or bad or whatever, it's hard to go from just PG to R. Like, there is something in the middle, and I think it's good that they did, but maybe there wasn't, like, enough blood, but I don't know. Like, the heart's, like, flaming. How do you... <laughs> How do you not look at that and say, that's pretty graphic? I mean, I, I'm not complaining about it. I thought it was really cool, especially the older you get. It's like, man, that's pretty awesome <laughs> like, watching <laughs> that. But no, you're right. Like it, it, it is very, very dark, man. It, it's a very dark movie. <laughs> yes. And, uh, but there was something
1: fearless about it. And I think that's, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get back to this, but something that's missing in a lot of, sequels or series you know um this this is very unique i think a very unique movie um and of course this was also extremely successful and so were they going to do another one well they did five years later they came back and did indiana jones and the last crusade so drew um if you could give us kind of
0: a an overview of indiana jones (laughs) and the last crusade so this one this one um i know this one's controversial too like i don't know why it's like raider seems to be the one that's like just universally loved besides you know but then you either have people who love temple of Doom or hate it and then you have people that either love or hate last crusade so last crusade is a little bit more about the relationship between him and his father sean connery as as some of the folks in the in the chat were saying and i love the dynamic between them but they're ultimately searching for the Holy Grail in this one, which is the chalice that Jesus used in history and uh, religious history of at the Last Supper, right? And they're, again, against the Nazis in this one. So they sort of went back to form and they tried to go back with the original, I don't want to say formula, because it's some may call it a formula, but it had a lot of the el- same elements as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, there was also a bit of a Knights Templar influence in here, which is actually kind of cool. Um, but I, I think, to your point, again, another lost artifact that people have been searching for, for, you know, hundreds of years, or maybe even thousands of years, and it's this mysterious thing, like, what is this Holy Grail? Where is this thing? Where could it be? And and the intrigue, and again, the the competition with the, the Nazis going after this thing, uh, it, it was sort of more similar to Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think, for better or worse, right? Some people love that, some people don't. Um, but I personally love the dynamic between Indy and his father. I think that that's what makes this movie a really great movie, especially the dynamic between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. The way they acted, I thought, was was really good. And uh, this one has a special place for, for me, too. I don't know if you feel the same.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because when... Steven Spielberg was looking for a movie to direct. He really wanted to make a James Bond movie. This was back before Raiders. And then George Lucas mm-hmm. said, uh, or, or I think they turned him down. It's like, no, you can't direct a James Bond movie. And then George Lucas said, hey, Steven, I got something that's even better. Don't worry about that. And then it it was this. And then it's funny that basically Sean Connery is the original James Bond and he's playing the father of Indiana Jones, and it's just like whoever thought of this is absolutely amazing. The idea that these two actors are co-starring in a movie together, an adventure movie. I think <laughs> I think you're right. It's perfect. This is I think to me why this movie is very special. Um, again, like I guess along with the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, as far as religious, legendary, lost artifacts. I mean, those are probably the two top ones and everyone knows all the legends and um, it's just something that inspires the imagination uh, of billions of people around the world. So um, really a brilliant, brilliant story device. And you're right, it does follow that same pattern as uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um,
0: If I'm not mistaken too, so you you mentioned that... uh, Sean Connery was obviously one of the original James Bond actors right but wasn't also uh Julian Glover who played I think Donovan was also in uh one of the James Bond movies as one of the villains I forgot I was um I'm blanking on which one it was but I'll have to look it up but I think he was also one of the Bond villains which is cool so you talk about hey I have something better try to get a Bond film and it it sort of does feel like you're it's like the the action between the the groups and and the dynamic between them, and then you get some Bond actors in here. That's that's a really cool piece of history there. It is, and you know, it's probably it's funny because
1: Steven Spielberg always wanted to direct James Bond movies, but you could say that the Indiana Jones movies are better. I know a lot of people might prefer them to any Bond movie, and I do. Uh, it's certainly they're certainly better than most of them and uh it's it's kind of cool that he has this series uh you know with the bondian elements but with all the cool history and mystery yeah. and all that stuff too um so at the time i remember everyone assumed or at least everyone i knew growing up it was called indiana jones and the last crusade so that meant it was going to be the last <laughs> indiana jones movie and it was for a long time until there were rumblings in the 2000s that, well, hey, you know, Harrison Ford might be up for another one. And so might George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And we got news that they were going to make another Indiana Jones movie. And we got one uh, in uh, 2008. We got Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So, Drew, this, this is interesting because you probably have more sort of like Adult memory, like yeah. you know, seeing these as opposed to watching them all together as a kid.
0: What what would you say about Indiana Jones and the C- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? So I remember being really excited for this movie when it came out because I'm a fan of the series, and you know I I don't know. There's there's two ways to talk about this movie, right? There's what I felt at the time and what I feel now. And at the time, I was very excited to see it. And I do remember being slightly disappointed when I watched it, because I wasn't sure what to expect. And, you know, you haven't had an Indiana Jones movie, what, in 30 years at that point, or whatever it was, it was a long time. And uh, it was 89 to 2008 or something, whatever it was, but, you know, you're not really sure what to expect. And it's like, were they going to take the series? And, you know, you had two out of the three movies with like religious artifacts, you had and you could even say the middle one was sort of religious in some ways, right? Because it had to deal with sacrificial, you know, stones and stuff like that. Where the heck were they going to take it? I guess they could do more religious artifacts. This one, no, they went aliens. And and you know, not to not to spoil the movie for anybody, but if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But this one was all about these. I mean, the name, the name, Crystal Skull. It's about this sort of extraterrestrial, you know, skeleton head, essentially, ultimately. And it's about this ancient city that was gone, right? I just remember watching it, and, like, it was obviously about aliens, but I didn't know how how much it was going to be about aliens, you know? <laughs> like, the fact that you see the bodies, and I liked the, the tie-ins to Area 51 and how it tied into, hey, there's all these occult items, and, you know, you even get a callback during the movie of you see the broken box with the Ark of the Covenant and stuff like that in the hangar, which is cool. But uh, you also introduce a new character. You bring back Marion, and then you give him a son. Did they need to do that? Some may say no. Some may say yeah, it was cool. Shia LaBeouf was was you know riding high at that time. I don't remember when Transformers came out, but it was around that time he was a popular actor. It was just an interesting direction I think to to take the series, and you know to some people. They really enjoyed it, and to some, it was like, why did this need to be made? And South Park made a lot of jokes about it. You know, we won't go into detail about that out here. But, uh, you know, I would say this, though. I recently rewatched this. You and I were talking about this before. And I liked it a lot more than I remember it. And there's something that I've recently thought quite a bit about, and we were talking about Batman and Robin the other day. And something that really stood out to me was... When I mentioned earlier, you're watching this as growing up and you're expecting something out of it. When you're watching a movie and this new thing is coming out, it's sort of natural to be disappointed because you are you have all of these expectations, you have all of these feelings that you're, you're hoping that you, you see something or you're expecting whatever, right? And then you see it and it's either good or, or different than what you expected and you, you might feel disappointed. But, you know, fast forward 20 plus years, you can look at it. And you can maybe look at it more objectively or look at it more differently and you can say, hey, I can enjoy it on some level because it's got, you know, so a cool dynamic again, sort of like Sean Connery and Indiana Jones. Well, now you've got Mutt and Indiana Jones, the almost reverse of that. And I can appreciate that. And I was watching it. But, you know, I look back at, at like Batman and Robin. Same thing, right? I can enjoy Arnold Schwarzenegger's goofy performance in that. Is it the best Batman movie? Heck no. But I can enjoy it on some level. And that's how I feel about this movie it's not good. <laughs> it's not great, but I actually enjoy it now. I think if two thousand eight to now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I definitely yeah. feel like I can enjoy it more. Sorry for the rant there. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's it's great, and I'm I love how you bring up all of that, and you know, this was I think a case of. Maybe it was similar to the prequels where you had episode one, the Phantom Menace. There's just so much anticipation building up for this. I mean, no one thought this was going to happen and it has everyone from almost everyone from the original Indiana Jones movies working on it behind the camera or in front of the camera and Harrison Ford starring in it. And it's just amazing to go see Harrison Ford again, but you're right. I think people had all different kinds of expectations going into this and, um, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, I remember when it came out. It still, I think, got mostly positive reviews. Yeah. but I don't know. Maybe it's the fans, Indiana Jones fans, who are more vocal that maybe are more disappointed. Um, it's it kind of interesting how that works, where you have something that makes a lot of money, it's generally reviewed well, but over time, the fans seem to kick it down a few notches and. Yeah, I, maybe we'll maybe we'll talk more about this movie because um, it's interesting. People have lots of yeah. feelings about it. So, <laughs> um, but Drew, so so that's kind of an amazing overview of the first four movies, and of course we have the fifth one, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which we will talk a little bit about. I haven't seen it. I've only watched pre- some previews. Um, I know almost nothing about it. But maybe we could yeah. talk about those pesky expectations again and see you know <laughs> are those going to interfere with people's enjoyment of the movie um and how you should prepare like drew your experience watching crystal skull recently could you give advice on how people should prepare to go see uh, the new movie <laughs> dial of destiny that type of thing um <laughs> let me get to a few comments here um. Ben Metello says, "I have an old metal Temple of Doom lunchbox with indie uh, action figures in it.
0: That's awesome, Ben. I we need to see pictures of that because I love those old metal lunchboxes. That's so cool. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Andrew, you're a an action figure aficionado. I metal, am.
0: Aren't you? I am. And, and you know what? There's new. I don't know, Ben, if you've seen it, the, but I don't know if they're related to the ones that you have. But I I saw they actually released a new line of Indiana Jones action figures." So I've seen them in the store and they're kind of cool. They have like, there's a Bellic one, there's like the mini ones and then there's like the larger ones. And I'm, I'm like, man, I can't collect another line because then I'll, <laughs> I'll have too many, but they're cool. That's awesome. Ben, you should tweet at us. I want to see that picture. That looks awesome. That sounds awesome.
1: Indeed, indeed. Send us those pictures, Ben. Thank you. Um, Jay Wiggins says, Harrison Ford was playing both Indiana Jones and Han Solo <laughs> in the early 80s. How much cooler can you get? You can't. That's the answer. You cannot <laughs> uh, and then he also adds uh, the reaching into the bug filled hole and eating eyeball soup and monkey brains. Dude. that was creepy.
0: the temple the, of Doom. the guy saying a chill the monkey brains, like it's in my brain, like in my brain, and uh-huh. like the visual of that, Jay is uh, that's like one of the an iconic moment that's really creepy
1: a hundred percent. Uh Hi, Ken. It's Emmett. Hi, Emmett. I'm listening, too. Thanks for listening, guys. It's great to have you here. Uh, Cecilia says, my brothers and I wore out our VHS copy, so the scariness didn't stop me.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you have to be scared. You know, it's fun to feel alive.
1: <laughs> Indeed. And Paula says, the anthill scene was traumatizing for me in Crystal yeah. Skull.
0: Because the guy gets like sucked into the the hill screaming while the ants go into his mouth. Like, I know it was very heavily CG, but man, that was pretty creepy. (laughs) Very freaky, freaky thought. Uh, I'm sure
1: one of the ways we, almost all of us don't want to go. Jaws. How you doing, Jaws? Great to see you. Uh, Hi, Ken. Hi, Drew. Last Crusade is too funny. Pure entertainment. I think 1989 was pure entertainment. Batman Uh, Back to the Future 2, Last Crusade, and of course, obviously, Mr. Terry Silver and Karate Kid 3. And I think, Drew, we did, we had a discussion about um, sequels and stuff and how 1989 was just an insane year for sequels, including Indiana Jones. Yep, Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters
0: 2. It was stacked. and, And 89, I mean, 89, 84 and 89 are like, I mean, actually, there's a lot of 80s, 80 years within the 80s. But man, the 80s were so great. And 89 was was stacked with amazing movies, man. All, all the ones that, that you mentioned, Jaws. And especially, you know, you think about the fact that these are like iconic series that came out at that time. So you're getting like another Karate Kid. You're getting a, a Batman, the start of Batman, right? That's a massive series. Back to the Future, like Last Crusade, like all these movies, man, they're huge franchises. You don't see that now. I mean, we see like a lot of remakes and stuff, but I feel like everything's either that or like Avengers. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. We don't get this anymore. They don't make them like they used to. I hate to say it, but...
1: <laughs> You're right, they don't. Uh, and it's it's really too bad. Um, but hopefully someone will come up with a new original fresh idea and yeah. we'll have a new type of Indiana Jones series. Well, Drew, so we've gone through all these movies. What do you say we go through... And rank them i like that i like to do it (laughs) and i i have a feeling right well the way harrison ford had a feeling about where to take that crystal skull i have a feeling we may agree on our ranking so (laughs) so um so let's so let's jump into this and how do how would you like to do it do you want to go from best to worst do you want to do that one
0: uh, yeah, let's do that. My okay. Mine might also be my favorites and the best, I think, are, are the same. but right. I don't know. <laughs> right. We'll see, right. I guess.
1: We'll see. Okay, guys, let's do our both our favorites and our best. We'll start with our number one ranking movie.
0: <laughs> okay, there you
1: go. Um, Man, you are all right, a professional, Drew. Ken. You
0: are a professional. <laughs>
1: hey, that's, that's, awesome. what, that's what we try to do here on KenCast <laughs> After Dark. We, we got to keep you awake somehow. Uh, <laughs> so, Drew, so tell us, what is your favorite Indiana Jones movie?
0: I think this might be obvious to you all as you listen and, and watch us here. I thought about this long and hard, but I have to say that it's Raiders of the Lost Ark because of what it is. It was the first. It was the, the first to do it. It's also, I think, the most fun, but also balances some of the scary moments with the the fun elements. There's some great humor in it. Uh, there's some great adventure in it. I mean, all of them really are, but but this one is just so iconic to me, and it, it's the first one that I saw growing up, too. And uh, it introduced me to the character and... I just think the Ark of the Covenant is such a cool artifact and the Cairo scenes are just fantastic. Like when they're in the, 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 uh, temple there and everything, I would have to say Raiders of the Lost Ark is, is my number one, but I did think about it a lot. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know what yours is. Okay. Um,
1: well, Drew, I agree with you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously it, it has, it has it all. It's the quintessential Indiana Jones movie. A wonderful treasure, a wonderful artifact, as you said. The Ark of the Covenant, Um, just wonderful characters. You have Indiana Jones and Marion. You have Belloc. You have Sala, you know. And it was all this adventure that kept on going. It had lots of twists and turns. The villains are the Nazis. That's the first time you see them as Nazis, um, as the villains. And then you have... Great fights. Um, it's violent, like as you say, but not too violent. Um yeah, it's just I think perfectly paced, obviously with a lot of love for the way movies used to be made and Steven Spielberg really, it's kind of him at his best. Uh it's it's a great movie. The only thing I'll say is if you're watching now with the pacing you're used to watching in movies now, the pacing is probably slightly slower than a lot of Mm -hmm. modern movies, and I might add, slower than Temple of Doom. Um, Yeah,
0: that's a really good call-out, and I I wasn't thinking about that, but you're right. Looking back on it, it is. But in a way, I kind of like that, because you almost savor it a little bit, you know? It makes you... It rewards you for your patience, I feel. It does. It
1: really does. And um, And one thing I'll say, really, especially about the first three Indiana Jones movies... What's cool to me about them, as you said, Drew, we weren't alive back when the serials that inspired Indiana Jones came out. Sure. But but to me, the way they're made, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the way it's made, you could make that a black and white movie and it would look like a movie of that era. Like it looks like it's made with the same craft as serials and movies from that era. Um, with almost all the same types of technology, even at the end when you have the Ark of the Covenant and the spirits come out, it almost seems like a throwback to that.
0: I saw a recent and it popped up in my recommended videos. I didn't, I didn't watch it yet, but I bookmarked it. It was something about Indiana Jones in black and white is amazing, and I saw the thumbnail of it, and I agree with you because it's almost like you could, you could see that thing in black and white and say, "Man, this." Like it just looks like it's shot with love. And I think there's so much to say about maybe the cinematography for, of this movie. It's a beautiful looking movie. It's just, it's beautiful. The way it's shot, the way it's, it's just curated, like everything about it is so cool. And yes, there's some CG in it, but they don't overly rely on it to the point where it's like, oh, that takes you out of the movie. Like I know the spirits at the end, it's, it you know, it's obviously CG, But I remember, do you ever watch a show way back in the day called Movie Magic where they would break down special effects? It was like, it was on TV. Right. And I remember them talking, they showed the face melting scene. Right. And they showed how they made that. And like just the amount of time that went into that. I'm not saying that computer generated graphics don't take time, but there's something so. I don't know. There's something so intriguing about the practical effects and I'm always going to gravitate towards that. And that's another reason why I love these old movies because they had to do that without relying too much on computer graphics. And, uh, you know, it, it it just, it makes that film and it just, it's so good. Uh, I don't know. I could, I could glow all day about this movie, but I love it.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I, I agree with you and it's, it's almost like back in the day, if they were allowed to make a movie where you'd have someone's face melting, uh they would come up with probably a similar solution you know of how do we accomplish that, and even the spirits you know obviously those are those are effects, but they're they're very painterly they're almost like animated effects, they look mm-hmm. like they could be of that era, and um. That's what I I just love about um, Raiders is just, it's authentically from that old generation, but somehow felt like a very fresh movie
0: in 1981. And you need to put that on the box. I feel like that's a perfect (laughs) quote to put on the box. Like that was very eloquently said there. (laughs) Well, well, thank you, thank you. Of uh, of
1: course, uh, Raiders doesn't need any quotes from me. It's uh, doing just (laughs) fine, Uh, but- um, Don't sell yourself short. Well, Drew. Uh, so, yeah, is there anything about Raiders that uh, that you you particularly love? Are there? What are your favorite moments?
0: I I would say for me. Um Absolutely discovering, I, I forgot what it's called. Is it the Well of Souls, I believe uh-huh. it's called, right. when when they finally discovered that. Like I remember the beam of light going through the the staff and just the fact that they like snuck in there and then the Pit of Snakes, like that whole sequence to me is so cool. And I also love the end. And the fact that like this, you mentioned the mystery around the Ark of the Covenant, like you can't look at it, right? You can't right. look at it. And and the fact that they did and they melted, Like there's just so many cool moments and just even like the something as silly as I think when he's fighting the guy with the sword, the guy's swinging the sword and then he just pulls his gun out and shoots him. Like these little like comedic moments of of these these films are so well done. Um, But I I don't know. I mean, maybe those things are obvious, I guess, to people, but those stand out to me. I mean, they're always ingrained in my memory of of watching that that film in particular. (laughs) Right. Well, it's interesting you bring up that moment
1: where, you know,
0: the guy's swinging his
1: sword and then he takes out his gun and just shoots him. That was used even in school. I remember our teacher, it was social studies history, you know, um, used that. I think it was sixth grade as an example of the progress of technology and how once you have guns you know, yeah. swords become obsolete. And mm-hmm. that was like the perfect example of
0: why, you know? And uh, <laughs> so there's a
1: lot of like historical truth in that movie, even in those comedic moments.
0: Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, okay. So Raiders are both our favorites and we think the best objectively. Um, so next, I guess we'll go on to our second choice. <laughs> okay. So so number 2, the number 2 best and our number 2 favorite Indiana Jones movie drew what is
0: yours. This was another one that was really hard for me because I I love I love the one that I have as number 3, but I'm actually going to go in release order and I'm going to say Temple of Doom because I love how different it is. And and that doesn't take anything away from The Last Crusade. I think The Last Crusade is a fantastic movie, and uh, I do like it just as much as these others. But if I had to rank them today, on June twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, I will say that The Temple of Doom is my second favorite, and I think it's the second best too because of how different it is, and it takes risks. Right? You mentioned this earlier. Uh, I I don't know. I just I think it's so well done. And I know that that's going to be a controversial decision, but I personally feel that that it's my number two, and I think it's the second best one because it's so different. And uh, I don't know; I'm more curious if you agree.
1: Uh, yeah, Drew, I actually agree. I agree. I think that I think the subject matter and probably the emotion that people feel after watching Temple of Doom maybe kind of yeah influences their ranking a bit. And it, sometimes it does, like when you finish watching this movie, I understand if people feel like they've just gone off of like a huge roller coaster, right? And that, and maybe they're just kind of like a little queasy. <laughs> like I like I get that, but at the same time, and I'm going to say this, I know Steven Spielberg, this is his least favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. I know that George Lucas and him were going through rough times personally during this, and that's why it's so dark. I get that. However, I think this movie is peak Steven Spielberg. I mean, if you look at how he makes this movie and directs this movie, this is just, he pulls out all the stops. You know, watching this movie again, I encourage you to do it. Even if the subject matter is dark, I mean, look at these sequences and how they're staged. Uh, Just the absolute pacing, the visual storytelling. Like this is a filmmaker at the top of his craft. And everyone is just doing such an amazing job. The movie opens With a musical number, Willie Scott is doing, we talked (laughs) about throwbacks, like she's doing almost this like uh, Bubsy Berkeley's that who did all these old musical numbers. I mean, it's this elaborate musical number uh, of anything goes and then it goes right into this action scene and he's jumping out the window and there's it's it's so fast paced. You have short round who's just in the car and it's all assumed you know, that short round knows who Indy is and they're like they're te- they've are they teamed up and it doesn't waste any time trying to explain, you know, oh, where's everyone from the last movie? It's like this is just its own adventure and it just like
0: keeps charging forward and it doesn't stop. You know, and something so you nailed that, by the way, like I agree with you. Everything you said, it's it, it's it's just so different than the last one. And I think that's what makes it so unique Uh, I mean, literally unique because it's not like the other one. But I didn't realize this until I was, I just, maybe I'm dumb, but I never realized this. This is actually the year before in the chronology of the timeline. I saw, I was reading that and I didn't, I never knew that. And maybe I'm a bad fan or something, but I'm like, geez, that's pretty cool too. Because they went a year backwards it didn't really matter to the story but i kind of like that and then oh yeah by the way the opening of, of Raiders of the Lost Ark is actually like a year later after this one and i think that's kind of cool too because it it also just changes up like where they're at in his life and stuff like that and i i just thought that was that was also pretty unique but i i i love what you said about the musical aspects of this thing like like how do they do that and the, and the fact that they went as dark as they did i mean ultimately People, and I don't want to say the first one was a kid's movie because it by no means was, but to, to, if you, let's say you let your kids watch a movie like that, you go bring them to this. It's very different. (laughs) Yes. Child, like I said, child labor, child slavery. I mean, ripping hearts out like that. Right. I mean, the act of ripping someone's heart out. There's a, there's a meme that I remember seeing and it's, it's Bola Ram holding the heart and it says like, I heart you like for Valentine's (laughs) day. And it's him holding the flaming heart with the face. And I remember sending that to my wife on like Valentine's day, the one day, and we were cracking up about it, but it's uh it's such a, such a cool movie. And I haven't watched this one in a while. And I actually talking about it makes me want to go back and watch it now (laughs) just because it's so different.
1: Yeah it's definitely I will say one thing about it is that once you get down to the Temple of Doom it's I mean it's a grind like you're yeah, down there you're in the Temple of Doom you know and you're with and them. you you're, you're you're in there with them and you're not getting out till the end you know and I think Maybe that's something that's a little bit different if you enjoy the globe trotting aspects of Indiana Jones. They basically did all that in like the very first part of the movie, and then you're in the Temple of Doom for the rest and yeah, but drew, I mean, the movie's called the temple of doom i I don't know how else how better they could pay off that
0: title, yeah, I mean, you're not really. They're not hiding what they're doing, right? It's in the title right there. I guess like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull too, but man, it, it it's a temple of doom. And like you said, you're in there with him. It is a grind and it is very different than the globe trotting the first one. You know, I think about the trope of like showing the map and the plane as it flies to the place that you're going. I mean, that's like Indiana Jones in my head. So I just think, I just think it's so different and that's what makes it so cool, I think, you know, Um and 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 Bularam as a, as a as a villain is is like iconic like his outfit with like the 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 skull head and just i don't know just the 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 chanting right Kalima and all of that and and uh short round too it's iconic characters you know and again completely different than the first one so i'm beating a dead horse at this point but man it, it it's just a fun fun movie but it's a dark movie it, it, it's like depressingly dark but i like that i don't know why <laughs>
1: Well, okay, something I have to ask you about, because I know one reason why people don't like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom is they say Willie Scott, the character of Willie Scott, Indy's love interest in this. She's like annoying or, you know, she's just, she's not like Marion. Do you, how do you feel about Willie
0: Scott? You know, I, I think I like Marion better, I guess, if I was going to compare her and, and I guess... I don't want to say that Marion was tougher, but I think she was. It's almost like you look at... And I hate to say that Willie Scott was like a damsel in distress because she wasn't, but she kind of was in comparison to to Marion. You know what I mean? I don't know if you agree with that. It's just very different. And um, I can understand why people like think she was annoying because Marion was just kicking ass all the time. And I think that's what... She's one of my favorite characters of the whole series. And that's actually why I like Crystal Skull because she's back. And I think she's tough in that. Um, and, and I love the actress, you know, obviously she's amazing, but, uh, if I had to pick the two, I would, I would pick between Marion and I could understand people's gripes with it. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah. I never,
1: I was never, never bothered by Willie Scott that much because she seemed to be, it's weird what Kate Capshaw did with that role. I think she played it really well because she was obviously kind of like a soft character. She doesn't like icky situations and all that yeah. you know which is completely you throw her into the temple of doom you know that's really kind of a fun juxtaposition there but at the same time you could tell that the character was very intelligent even yeah. though she was like a showgirl and supposedly not into all this stuff if she were in a world where you know she was in the corporate world or marion's world or something like that she would probably intellectually go toe-to-toe you know, sure. with with anyone, but it's just her character and her image of herself, and she was into herself as like this kind of fancy show showgirl. Um, so I don't know; it's a really interesting character, and she whines a lot. But I don't know; I think that's kind of funny. I think that that's the intention of the role. I think,
0: yeah, and 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 again, talking about leaning hard the opposite way, like she's a complete opposite from Marion, and it's just a very different character and a and a, and a different. Way to go. And, and I agree with you, like the ickiness of, oh, the Temple of Doom and, and all of this other stuff. It's It actually fits the movie pretty well when you think about it because, I don't know, you live, maybe they put you in the character's shoes or they want you to, to be the character. And, you know, for the most part, Probably the majority of people might act like her in the Temple of Doom. You know what I mean? As the average moviegoer or whatever, you, you, I'd probably feel icky in there too. I mean, hearts are getting ripped out and <laughs> I don't know, there's just like random stuff happening. So I can't disagree with her reactions to things <laughs> so, right. in some ways. <laughs> indeed. Indeed.
1: I Again, I think Drew, you'd agree if I'd say if you haven't seen Temple of Doom in a long time or if you've never seen it, definitely watch it. Check it out. It's a yeah. uh, it's a it's a really good movie, and I think vital. I think a lot of the things that we think about as being characteristic of Indiana Jones actually come from that movie as well. I agree with that for sure. Um, let me get a couple comments before we go further on our ranking list. Uh, Jaws says, "Beautiful shirt, <laughs> again. it's fantastic to go to a party." And, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, you you knew why I got this shirt, Jaws. Very <laughs> f- very good. Uh, Matt Moore says. Can't stay long, but love you guys. Put me down for Last Crusade is my favorite. Okay. Yes. Right. Sean Connery. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Matt. Yes. Uh, Sean Connery's Indy's dad is brilliant. To- totally agree. Uh, Jay Wiggins says, actually, wouldn't this be a great series to put back in theaters for a
0: run? I'm surprised it hasn't, to be honest. They do that, especially things that are Lucasfilm related. I know it's Disney now, but man, it's surprised. Like It'll just print money. You want to print money? Do that, because I'll go watch mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Indeed, um, Jaws follows up, and he says, "In my opinion, Last Crusade and Road, uh, Back to the Future Two would be the best movies of the saga if these movies were the first movies of each saga. But the first movie of saga always has the original point, right? So it's like that idea of Raiders is just mm-hmm. very fresh. It's a fresh movie. It's new. Yeah. Everything's new. The filmmakers, the actors are discovering this. Um, it's hard to it's hard to beat that, you know, in the sequels, right?
0: Yeah, I agree with that."
1: indeed um matt follows up and he says temple of doom was strange and dark i love it though but it made sense learning spielberg was going through a pain of divorce cover your heart indy and george lucas as well both of them
0: yeah <laughs> they yeah were going through
1: some hard times ripping your heart out like literally and figuratively right <laughs> indeed uh max kelly says have y'all met george lucas i haven't have Have you met George Lucas?
0: Not. no i would love to i'd love but to but i haven't if he He's wants to genius. come on you know come on the show <laughs>
1: wouldn't that be wild He's a genius. Ge- george lucas if you're watching uh just uh put a comment here we'll send you a uh, that link would be to awesome join. that'd be fun <laughs> um max kelly thank you for the super chat max uh again same question uh but thank you so much for supporting the channel really appreciate it uh paula said uh, says i'm a john hurt fan from crystal skull and a miriam storyline fan okay very very good um and then jay wigan it's a good point a temple of doom how about that fight on the minecart? cart yeah that that <laughs> was that's wild and they did all that with um a variety of different special effects but if they had the budget that's something that they maybe could have done at the time, like back when it took place, like in the thirties or forties, because it was all like, you know, animated and they used all different types of uh, techniques. So it really felt authentic to multiple generations. I think the way they accomplished that. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, so anyway, so drew, let's move on to our number three in this movie series. uh, Our our favorite and our third best, however we ranked it. All right, Drew. <laughs> so number three, uh, What what is your number three?
0: So this one was hard because I couldn't decide between Temple of Doom and this, but I, I'm going to go, I think Matt said it earlier, I'm going to go Last Crusade just because And it's weird that it wound up becoming the release order for me, but I... I almost put this as number two, but I put it as number three just because, like I said, with Temple of Doom, it was so different. But I think Last Crusade could easily be two or even one for a lot of people. I wouldn't argue that. And it's such a great movie. It's, it, like you said, it's back to form after going so different than the second one. It's almost like you talk about Star Wars. It's sort of like the empire strikes back the darkness of the middle movie and then going towards return of the Jedi. It's sort of a similar approach. It's uh, not as bright as I guess, as a new hope, but it, it it has the dynamic between Sean Connery and 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 uh, Harrison Ford, which I really like. You got the Nazis again. You got this religious artifact that is mysterious over the years, like we talked about earlier. I uh, I really like this movie, and I think on any given day, this could even be my number one. Sometimes I just I really like this movie a lot, and uh, it, it's I actually haven't seen this one in the longest, but because uh, if I'm gonna pop one in, I always just pick Raiders of the Lost Ark. But this is one that I think is uh, is a great film, and and I I, th- I also think it's the third best, but that's also controversial too. But uh, they're all so close; it's so hard. <laughs> right,
1: and that's the hard part of doing rankings, right, Drew? Because you can say that they're all pretty much favorites, and you love them all, but yeah. if you have to pick an order, it's not like saying it's a bad movie, but just that you know it's your third favorite or third best. I agree with you. I will go with Last Crusade in my number three spot. Um, I think it's a great movie. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, I think maybe for some people, like those elements, as you said, kind of get recycled a little bit from Raiders, but it's almost like a welcome return to form. I understand why they did
0: that. Thank you for joining us tonight. Device, and we look forward to seeing you next time dark. on Pencast. So,
1: Least and um you know going after this ancient religious artifact that has a lot of mysteries uh associated with it and i mean i will i will say another thing about this movie is i think the ending doesn't disappoint it's very you know that it's a very famous line you know you have chosen wisely you know he has chose he chose poorly you know and um that's a freaky end for Donovan as well. Um, did What did you think of... Did you think that the movie itself, if you take away Sean Connery, I don't know, do you think Sean Connery is really the thing that push, pushes it over the edge as far as it being like a lot of fun? Or do you think if you took Sean Connery out of it, it would still be like a fun movie?
0: I think, I mean, I think the the, the quest for the you know, the, um, the artifact is still really fun. And I like the globe trotting again that they do. And the fact that they wind up in, you know, the, again, sort of like this weird place where they're finding these things. I think it's really cool, but I also feel like there's a, this, I don't want to say like a comedic element, but the, it's almost like a bickering between father and son. And I like that because you can kind of see each of them in each other and I, and I really like that. And I think it definitely adds to the fun. Um, you know, when you go from something like Raiders of the Lost Ark to Temple of Doom, the shift is so big that we were saying it. And you, you kind of mentioned earlier, like, getting the gang back together. I think there's an inherent, you know, fun in that, too, getting some of the old faces back. You mentioned Return to Form. I think that's a really good way to put it. And, and but I think that the Sean Connery aspect of it just takes it over the top a little bit in a good way, and I think it just adds a lot more to it because it's it's sort of what you knew and loved about the series, but oh hey, here's this other cool thing. And you know, Sean Connery is, is an iconic actor, it's not just some like random guy that they're throwing in the movie, and uh, I think that also adds if they made him like I feel like if they made him maybe not as famous of an actor and if it was someone like random, I don't know if it would have worked as well. And that's not taking anything away from whoever it may have been, but the fact that it was Sean Connery, I feel like dialed it up a little bit too. And you had these iconic people on screen, uh, you know, one very famous older actor and one who's sort of in his prime. Uh, I I like that dynamic. So I think, you know, to maybe go back to what you said, I think it, it it added to it. I think it still would have been fun, but I think it's better because of him being in it. Right.
1: Uh, and of course, we have the Nazis again. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Do you think that's a good call too? Having the Nazis be the villain again?
0: I I liked it too. Be, I mean, I think when you look at Crystal Skull, and I mean, we'll talk about that in a second, but it, they had I think the Russians in that, and they were also looking for an artifact. It's like you have this like boogeyman that you're going against, and the Nazis going after another religious artifact made sense especially in the context of the, the, the series and, and the lore, I, I actually think it worked well because of it. And it is, like we said, getting the gang back together, including the bad guys, too. And I, I think it, it made people feel maybe more familiar. It's like, okay, I know what this is, especially if the second one turned certain people off. It's, hey, remember what you loved about the first one? Here's that and a little bit more. And I think maybe right. it was a good, good idea for that uh, at the time. Right. And of course, this
1: movie has a unique quality to it or a unique section. It opens up showing Indiana Jones uh, having his kind of first adventure Uh, and he's being played by River Phoenix, you know, who sadly left us very, very early. But uh, what did you think of that opening section where you have Indiana Jones's first adventure? You know, he has this chase over like a circus train and he falls into... Uh, A pit of snakes and I guess that's how he gets his fear of snakes like
0: what did you think of that whole section it's certainly certainly unique because you know you look at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's he's going to get that golden artifact off of there and he's running away from the boulder and that's super iconic they went again back to something that was familiar, but they put a different twist on it where it's like, oh yeah, it's a young Indiana Jones this time and a different, and River Phoenix is, is iconic as well. So you're adding in something that's familiar, but you're putting a new twist on it. And the fact that, the, like you said, they, they show the snakes and, and it goes back to, is this how he learned or is this how he got his fear of snakes? Sort of building out the character a little bit more, especially in the third, which is, you know, the third within the trilogy. So I, I really liked that. I don't know if it worked for everybody, but for me personally, I kind of liked it. It added a new wrinkle to, to Indiana Jones as a character, even though it's not like you're not getting so much background on him. But it was a fun way to maybe open the film that was familiar, but also slightly different. I don't know. Did it work for you? I think so. I think I think it was fun. I'll
1: be honest. Like when I rewatch it, it's probably not the part of the movie I remember the most. Yeah. Obviously, you talk about right. Sean Connery and like all that stuff. Um, but I think it's nice. It's kind of a nice. It gives you a little bit of backstory on on who he is. And of course, it's important because we deal with families and you have that kind of kind of off-screen voice cameo of Sean Connery setting up this relationship between father and son. So, yeah, I think I think it works pretty well. Um, you know, you talk about bringing the band back together and the movie sort of ends and it actually ends with them riding off into the sunset. So did you feel like this was the concluding chapter of Indiana Jones? Like, do you feel like that was the intention of Last Crusade?
0: I think, you know, when you when you look at where they all were within their careers, it was a nice book ending to it. You know, I guess you can always leave the door open for a sequel. Like I even think about we talked about Cobra Kai recently where it's like if they ended that season, they could end it. You know, and it's like you'd obviously want some more. And I think as a fan of the series, they them making another one would be cool, but they waited significantly a lot longer before they made the next one. So I actually think it would have worked well as the last one. Uh, you know, you don't want people coming back to something unless they're really passionate about it. And I think, you know, there was a lot of a lot of heart put into uh, the, the Crystal Skull, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't think it was lazily made. I think there was actually a lot of effort and, and time put into it. But I, I almost wouldn't blame them if they would have ended there. Like you said, riding to the sunset is that's, I mean, that's a trope, but right? I, it, but it's also, it, it could be the end. And I think the way that it wrapped it up, it, it could have wrapped it up nicely. Uh, I don't blame them for making another one, but at the same time, I think by the fact of you resurrecting this series, you know, 20 plus years later, you sort of earned some criticism where, where it may come, right? Cause of the way that they ended this, it was ended so nicely. I don't know. <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard question. You know, it is really hard
1: and it does seem like one of the hardest things to do is like, if you have a run of movies um, and then a break, and then you come back to them, that always yeah. seems to be a challenge. Um, Obviously here, you know, maybe we'll get into Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but uh, you had that with The Godfather, right? You had those first two Godfather movies considered two of the greatest movies ever made. And then they waited, I, gosh, I think, what was it? 10 years, 12 years, you know, until so, 1990 yeah. And you have Godfather three and it's kind of off on its own. And, you know, people aren't necessarily like warming up to it the same way they warmed up to the first two. You know, we saw that with like prequels and sequels like star Wars. And now everything's a legacy sequel where we're doing another one, but it's been 20 years and it seems to be a,
0: a hard thing to do.
1: Um, it is. So, Could,
0: yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you, you're setting yourself up. Like we talked about earlier, you're putting expectations that, are you're allowing people to have expectations because it's been so long between films. People wonder, like, "Hey, what the heck happened?" Like, you look at things, you're sort of setting yourself up for, and and maybe in the age of social media and the internet and everything is a hot take and 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 a click that you're trying to get. People are going to have extreme opinions on things, and I, I think it just sort of sort of seems like people love things or they hate them. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's any in middle of the road these days. And, you know, I'm probably guilty of that too, but for the most part, I try to, and I think you do too, right? We try to find something in it that you can enjoy on some level. We try to find, we, we, we talk about the silver linings. You try to find the silver linings in something, and it's pretty cool that you're getting, you know, another Indiana Jones movie. Is it going to be the greatest thing ever? I don't know, but I, I try to like temper my expecto- expectations these days because I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sure what it will be. And and I don't want to judge it until I see it, I guess. But it's also fair to not like something, too. Like, if you don't like it, you're able to say that. And I think you should be able to say it. Uh, them making another one that many years later, I think they were naturally putting themselves in the crosshairs of, hey, the Internet is obviously more, you know, established at this point. People have opinions. They have Twitter. They have things to to say. And, uh, you know, you're going to catch some flack just by even making it because people just aren't going to be wanting you to make it. So it's a tough one, man. It it is tough. It is super tough. And, guys, we
1: are about to get into how tough it is Uh, coming up with our uh, number four choice. Before we do that, I want to go to the comments. Matt Moore, thank you so much for the super chat. Really appreciate your support. Gotta go, but Ken and Drew, I share your passion for these amazing films. Have a great night and look forward to listening to this in its entirety later. Thank you so much, Matt. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Matt. Uh Paula says, agree number three in Temple of Doom was last for me. Good night, guys. And it's turning to Bookin. Good night. Thanks for watching, Paula. That's great. <laughs> Bye, great Paula. to have you here. Uh Jay says, if Raiders was the most balanced, Temple was the darkest, Crusade is definitely the funniest. Hmm. It depends on taste, but the first three excel in something. Crystal skulls seem good, but average. Very yeah. fascinating. I agree with you, Jay. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and Robana says the crystal skull was okay. <laughs> Up until the aliens, it just got weird. It, yeah, interesting. Thank you for being <laughs> a channel member, Robana. I really appreciate you being a channel member. Um, right. And so we're, we're going to get... We're gonna to get to this. We're gonna to get to Crystal Skull. Let's uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Jaws says Terry Silver without a sword would be a great Bond villain. Terry Silver with a sword would be a great Indiana Jones <laughs> villain. I like it.
0: That's a good yes. way to put
1: it. I love it. Uh, and Jaws says the scene of the aliens in Indy 4 seems uh, seems the alien scene in Fargo series. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, I man, all right, we should probably just like. Jump into this. Robana agrees exactly. It was random, left me scratching my head. LOL. Okay. Well, Drew, on that note, let's just uh, dive into our uh, number four ranking. All right, Drew. The time has come, and uh, I think through process process of elimination, I can guess what your fourth favorite Indiana Jones movie is. But uh, might as well tell us, Drew. What is, what is your fourth
0: favorite? Yeah, I'll. I haven't seen Dial of Destiny, so I have to say Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Uh, Crystal Skull, and I, like we were talking about before, I at the time of watching this, and I saw it in the theater, and I remember being very excited to watch this. I, um, you know, I I thought okay, I was intrigued going into it. And I guess it should have been obvious that it was about aliens. But I think to the point we said earlier, I didn't know how deeply it was going to be about aliens and I didn't know how much. And, you know, I'm on record, I think, of saying that I used to watch that show Ancient Aliens. I find that stuff fascinating. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I know there's a lot of stuff in the news too about, you know, UFOs and things like that. I find that fascinating. I'm following it along with it. Um, I think maybe I have a different appreciation for this now than I did then uh, because of what's going on. But I I rewatched it this week and I found a lot of things that I, I liked about it. I don't know. I liked the dynamic between Shia LaBeouf and Harrison Ford. And maybe it's because I've seen the force awakens recently, but I remember in 2008 watching this, thinking that Harrison Ford looked really old at that time thinking like, man, he's, he's old, (laughs) but he still looks cool. Right. But I watched it now and I know it's a, you know, almost 20 years ago. He looks super young in this when I'm watching it because maybe I've seen the the pictures for Dial of Destiny now, but he looks super young. And I thought he was great in this movie. Like he he was really good. And it's not the best. It's definitely the fourth best, I think, and my fourth favorite. But I definitely enjoyed this a little bit more than I expected to upon rewatch. I don't know if if you feel the same, but it, it wasn't as bad as I remembered I thought it was.
1: Right. Um, well, I'll agree with you. This is also my fourth favorite um, Indiana Jones movie so far. And <laughs> I, it, it, I remember going to see it in theaters. And I think I felt the same way you did where I left the theater and I was entertained. But I, I you know, where you have that little nagging like, oh, uh, I, I don't know. It was maybe a little, a little disappointed. Um, and then since then, I've seen it twice more. Uh, I don't know how many, probably whenever the Blu-rays came out and then I recently mm-hmm. saw it again, there was the 4K release. And I think there are a lot of really good elements in it, actually. Um, actually, the first half of it, I I, I really enjoy. Um, uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, excuse me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Um, I think he does a good job uh, for the role he's given. Like he, he, he does have charisma. I know he's a complicated uh, personality in real life, but... Um, The interesting, maybe people were kind of responding to the fact that if you have Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, like in Last Crusade, if you're going to cast his father, it almost has to be someone like Sean Connery, because who could be Harrison Ford's father? So maybe Shia LaBeouf, would this guy really be Harrison Ford's son? Is this like, you know, or should he have been more? You know what I mean? Should he have been kind of a, a big potential action star in his own right?
0: I I don't know. Uh, is that what people are kind of expecting? That's a good question. But I I also kind of think like I I maybe I don't know if this is fair or not. But he was sort of like this brash sort of uh, tough kid and and this like mouthy kid and that and that's who he played. I mean, he, that's his his character at that time, right? I know he's done a bunch of other other films since then, but he was sort of that fast talking kind of thing, and I, I felt like it was sort of. If you had a guy like Harrison Ford, who was really tough, or Indiana Jones, right, who was sort of this tough guy, take him out of the picture, and then you put Marion in as well. And I feel like he, personally, I actually think he's a good combination of the two of them in the way that they they are. I could see someone wanting maybe somebody more of like an action star or something like that, but he was sort of somewhere in the middle, and, and I, I kind of liked it looking back on it. At the time, I, I was like, what? And I liked Shia LaBeouf at the time. But now I'm like I kind of see it more. I don't know. It worked for me. Maybe it was just this time that I watched it. But I I, I liked it in a weird way. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I don't think he ever bothered me. I don't think he ever bothered me in that role. Um, and yeah, I I think he's obviously a talented performer as well. So, um, and of course we have to talk about one thing. That everyone talks about. It's a meme now. It's the whole nuking the fridge scene. So a lot of people have fixated on the, <laughs> the, the nuking the fridge scene as something that they feel is completely ridiculous, or took them out of the movie, or that's where the mo- when everything went off the rails. It's a substitute for jump the shark now, or whatever. But how, what do you feel about that scene? Like, is that deserved that reputation, or uh, do you think it's a bit overblown? <laughs> Pun intended.
0: I mean, uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other ridiculous things that happened in the movie. I mean, a guy's face melted. So I don't know, but maybe that's what would happen. If you saw the Ark of the covenant, if you were in a refrigerator in a nuclear explosion, you probably would die. But I kind of liked it. Like it was campy and silly, but again, I kind of liked it. Cause I mean, there's an alien in the movie and there's a crystal skull. So I I can understand why people don't like it and I can completely relate to, Hey, this took me out of it. But it it never bothered me. I kind of laughed at it. And I thought it was kind of funny, personally. Um, and it, it was sort of like, it's you know, because it introduced nuclear technology, right? It's trying to show you where it, it's at in history. And I get why they put it in. Whether he should have been in there or not is up for debate. But I, I get why they placed that. It was a way for them to show a nuclear explosion, the fact that an atom bomb had been created at this point. Because, you know, previously, what are we in the 40s, 30s and 40s here? So now you're you're in the sixties, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh you know, you start to look at this and it's just a different part in history. So I, I get why they did it. But uh I could understand if that bothered people. I mean, it makes sense. It didn't bother me personally. I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. And that's honestly
1: that's how I took it. Like I took it as like a very funny thing. Like, uh oh, like once you see yeah. the mannequins, you're like, oh wait, he's yeah, he's like in Area 51, you know, they're doing testing or whatever in the Nevada desert. And, it, you know, it's sort of like a whimsical moment, yeah. I thought. I, it didn't, it my, never bugged me.
0: My issue more is like, why did they have a working TV on with TV playing actual television stations if they were just going to nuke it? Like, what was the point of that? Like, I could understand having like a fake TV, but it reminds me of Nuketown from Call of Duty. So I also like that too, <laughs> which is fun. So. <laughs>
1: That is, that is, that is pretty cool. Well, you know, here's, here's my thing. Like I loved actually a lot of the early part, even enjoyed the nuke, the fridge scene, Uh, the chase through the college campus, I thought was fun. Um, There's some good like archeology span in there. There's like some mystery. They build up some mystery about what the crystal skulls are about. Um, I think it was a really smart move. To obviously, he gets older, and so you have to set it in you know, like you said, the sixties or the um, fifties. I thought think it was or yeah, right, and the Russians would make a good villain. I think at that point, I thought that was those were all really good. The one thing, Drew, I think, and this is one thing that I think gets the movie in trouble, and I think it's a it's a subconscious thing when people are watching the movie is that. Instead of adhering kind of to what the series had done to at this point, which is almost making your movie in the style of movies from like the 30s or 40s, um, where you're even using practical effects. This movie yeah. could have done that. It could have made it with like uh technology available in the 50s. So it would feel like an authentic throwback to a 50s movie. This movie did use a lot of very noticeable CGI, like even from the very beginning where you had the mound and the gopher, it was obviously Mm -hmm. animated. And I love the artistry of computer graphics. I think there's so many wizards in that field, but I wonder if that was the right way to do these effects. Because for me, it kind of took me out of the reality of it. Whereas the other movies, I felt very, ingrained in the reality of those worlds but this one it felt a bit artificial i don't what
0: what do you think of that no i agree with you and it's funny because you know it's you grew up I, i was born in 84 so i am used to seeing maybe some of the more practical effects in some of those older movies and when you start to look at like the newer movies Where they started to lean a little bit more on that, like even look at some of the uh, re-release of the Star Wars movies, where George Lucas starts inserting certain CG generated, like you know aliens or people in the cantina, stuff like that. It really does take me out of it because it doesn't blend with the rest of the film. Uh, Now maybe today's special effects are going to look crappy by you know 2050 standards, but I did notice it, like the Gophers in particular, like really stood out to me. I was like, did that need to be like that. Like they could have had a puppet or something, and I get it. Maybe it was more cost-effective to just use the CGI there. Uh, I think CGI, when done like well, uh, and, and I'm not saying it was bad. It just didn't mesh well. Like I, I watched a. I don't know if anyone's watched the series Andor, but I watched a couple really great YouTube breakdowns about what makes Andor so great. And I, one of the things that Andor does really well is it it really blends seamlessly some of the cg elements and it blends the real elements and it uses cg to complement things instead of relies heavily on it and they compared and contrasted that with like the prequels whereas these actors are completely on blue or green screens there's nothing real in the scene at all except for maybe like a pillar Whereas the majority of the sets in Andor, at least what they were showing in the videos, was like these were real sets; these were real things, and they painted in certain aspects of CG. And I think you know, movies in the early two thousands and and the mid two thousands, even look at like the late nineties. Like I think about Mortal Kombat from what is it ninety five? Like that whole reptile scene when he turns into reptile. It's like it's so it takes me completely out of the movie, even though I love that movie. And this had a lot of those elements, like even the ant scene that we were talking about before, those ants were all CG and it was obvious, like at the time it probably looked great, but looking back on it, it doesn't age as well. And I I, I, I appreciate wherever people use practical effects, uh, because it, it really does keep you in the movie as much as you can. So right. right. And that scene,
1: you know, to your point about the ants, you know, we had seen bugs in temple of doom like and it was freaky because there were real bugs crawling over everyone like it was ah you know you have that visceral response to seeing those bugs but in this movie the bugs i think immediately even when i was watching in 2008 they looked fake you know they looked like cg not really there so it was tough for me to feel the fear you know that you know because it's that layer of artifice um The thing is this, I think you bring up a really good point with Andor because I recently have seen and had discussions about movies like the original Jurassic Park, Terminator Mm -hmm. 2. Those were two very pioneering movies with CG, but they use it so specifically and very effectively. Um, And I think that's the issue. Also, if you go forward to the Lord of the Rings movies, Peter Jackson, or at least the original trilogy, he makes a really big point of what we try to do with our visual effects is we try to do one technique for this shot. Then we go to another shot and it's a different technique. And we do that so that your brain can't catch up to mm-hmm. what we're doing. You know what I mean? And I just think that's so brilliant. And I think Jurassic Park is that's a Steven Spielberg movie. They built real like they built a real t-rex like a mechanical t-rex but intercut that with cg and like so you're constantly changing and it's so impressive when you're watching it and this it's tough because they yeah i don't know man i i know there might be cg artists watching this and you guys do absolutely amazing work i don't want to say that practical effects are always better than cg effects but i think in this movie um and it's, it kind of wrecks the idea that this takes place in the 50s, I think, for me.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think we're not saying CG is is bad. I think it's just the, I think, and, it, and it's not the artist's fault, right? The directors are telling the artists where to put things and whatnot, and that's an artistic decision. So I don't want to say I'm better than the director here, but I think there, there are certain directors that do it really well where they blend it. And, and like you said, Peter Jackson and, and others, and... You know, I, I think, like you said, I don't think anyone's sitting here saying they, they try to do a bad job with the ants. I think just in the context of the film and where it was used, it's it sort of takes you out of it. If it was used maybe a little bit differently or maybe they blended it, to your point, um, I, I think that's where maybe it could just be done a little bit differently, where it maybe keeps you in it. You don't, it doesn't feel so jarring. And, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I don't think the ants looked bad by themselves. I think just the context of the film and where they were... And and what you what you were led up to, I think someone mentioned in in the chat too about like the monkeys and things. Yeah, there you go, Rabana said it. Th- that's perfect. I, I I think Rabana, you're right because that also really stood out to me. Like Ken mentioned the gophers earlier. Like it just it's a thing that you're probably not used to seeing a CG animal. It's like it just seemed odd. Uh, but I but I get it. But then, you know, I think about. There's other movies where it's been used and it's like, wow, I couldn't even tell. Like a lot of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I feel like James Gunn and and the the artists over there. Like I know the artists on the Marvel movies are getting a lot of flack, uh, wrongfully so, I think, because they're under insane deadlines and crunch and there's just, these, these people are overworked. But I think the Guardians movies actually use it really well. Like there's things in there where I'm like, whoa, I couldn't believe that was like Groot and and Rocket. Like that's really well done. Uh, and and yeah, but that, that that's like heavily CG, but it looks right and it makes sense to me. Now maybe in twenty years I'll disagree, but right now it looks great.
1: <laughs> right, but it's something you said. It's like it fits the context, the aesthetic of the film, and yeah. yep. right. And, and with the monkeys, it's tough because we've seen monkeys. We saw a monkey in Raiders. We saw um, animals in Temple of Doom. Right, they're riding the elephants. There's you know obviously snakes in Raiders and you know, we've got real rats and crusade, all that kind of stuff. So we, in an Indiana Jones world, we already have these things in our brain. Like if there's going to be an animal, it's going to be a real animal, you know, and all of a sudden they're not real animals anymore, which, which is really different. So so we've, so we've got obviously the swinging monkeys, we've got all that stuff. Drew, I'm going to give you the moment where I think it kind of turned for me where I didn't, like it as much, and I think this is another reason why the movie maybe doesn't work as well. After, I think the MacGuffin, right? So that's the term for what everyone's trying to get. You know, that's a, kind of an old term for for that. So the MacGuffin. So the MacGuffin in Raiders was the Ark of the Covenant. The MacGuffin in Temple or the Last Crusade was the uh, Holy Grail. In this movie, the MacGuffin is. Kind of a mysterious crystal skull that I'm sure you and I had never heard of before because it was right. created for the movie. But they had to get the skull because they needed to return it to a city called Acator, which was also called El Dorado, that we kind of heard about El Dorado, but they don't really stress that. But for some reason we have to get it because everyone wants the crystal skull that we don't know what it is. And for some reason we have to return it to the city and we don't understand what the city is and why. And so I think once we get the crystal skull, where does the movie go? And it's like, we have to return it to the city. I think we just don't understand the MacGuffin. and, And maybe the movie kind of feels like aimless or we don't understand why everyone's going through all this trouble. Um, even Temple of Doom and they created the stones, right? Uh, we saw why they were so important. They were stolen and the village was destitute and the people needed them back. And okay, they are the stones, you know? And so we had a really good image of, of what that MacGuffin is. I don't know. What do you, what do you think of that idea? Is that maybe the reason why Crystal Skull doesn't land as well as the other indie movies?
0: Yeah, I think I think you nailed it because the fact that it, the fact that you don't know what this thing is and what it's used for and it doesn't really pay off until the very end it leaves you feeling like well what's the point of this and where is it going Whereas, like I mean you mentioned some of the other movies like even Ark of the Covenant they want to get that because it's the most powerful thing you know what the Ark of the Covenant is going into it so you under you kind of understand, Either the intrigue of what this thing is, or the the payoff of hey, this thing might be like the ultimate power, and we can't let the Nazis get that. That from the very beginning of this, it's like they're in Area Fifty One, and they're getting this ultimately like a coffin, right, from an alien. And again, it's funny, like looking back on it now, knowing that it was about aliens and where it went, I didn't see the signs when I watched it originally, and 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 you know, you look at it now, it's like oh, this is obvious where it's going, but. I think you're right and even El Dorado like yeah that's a famous city and that's a famous thing in lore but they didn't call it that really much and and you know it was just very different and the ultimate payoff of this and you're like why are these people want this thing and they give you a little bit of hints like oh it could do mind control when it's like Indy sitting in the torture chair staring at the thing but it just wasn't familiar enough I think and and I, I think you you mentioned that with Temple of Doom I think that's a good point Yeah, because those things are sort of fake too, but the stakes were really clearly laid out in the very beginning, and you kind of knew what it was. Uh, So that that ambiguous nature of what this thing is—I mean, yeah, it's a cool. It looks like an alien skull, and I had heard of crystal skulls. Like there, there is lore about some of this. Maybe not this one in particular, but it wasn't enough that was so well known and ingrained in pop culture that you kind of knew where this was going. And I do think it made that sort of third act feel sort of aimless until it sort of paid off. And then even when it did, it's like, oh, okay, I guess, like, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> it just felt really weird. And it got, like, really like wild when, like, the alien shows up. And it's just – it's very different. It's, it's the most supernatural – I mean – of any of the stuff. Right. And I think it went way hard into that. And maybe that also turned people off, you know, because these other things are sort of real and some people believe in aliens some people don't. And it's like, Oh, that's fake. So it was, it's very, I think you said it way better than I could have. You you nailed it. I think you nailed it there (laughs) personally. Well, Well,
1: and that's the thing too. Like, what are you going to do? Like you have to understand it. And then I think people actually understand aliens, Like, and there are lots of things dealing with the lore of aliens. You know, we talked about Roswell and maybe Area 51 Mm -hmm. and they kind of hint to that, but it's almost like maybe they didn't want to go like full into the alien thing, even though that could have been interesting. And so they were kind of going halfway between going into aliens or keeping it with archaeology or, um, but yeah, maybe maybe it just needed like that amazing scene to explain what's at stake and like the historical mystery of this and yeah, it really didn't didn't do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing was Kate Blanchett's character saying, "Oh, we're going to put ideas into your minds and, you know, we're going to tell you what to think." But w- you know, it wasn't like Indy was sort of going after the, the Ark of the Covenant because it was this historical artifact. Like this skull was like, it wasn't anything in it for him. Like there wasn't, okay, they had to return it, but it wasn't, it, you know, finding the Holy Grail, like everyone's searching for the Holy Grail. Like this thing is something that no one really knows they need or want. And it's, it's, there weren't really stakes to it. Like to your point, it just, it really wasn't clear. Uh, I still, I mean, like I said, I still enjoyed the movie looking back on it now. Cause it's sort of fun and it's sort of wild. It's like Batman and Robin. Like it, it, I mean, I think it's better than that, but it, it's still like that kind of movie where at the time I had such high expectations going into it. It sort of didn't meet them, but I can look back on it now and say, yeah, that's kind of wonky, but I had fun watching it, and, you know? And, and we got to see Harrison Ford again with, with the, you know, the character and, uh, It's a little different than what you expected, but I think on some level I still enjoyed it, and and I enjoyed it more than the first time that I watched it.
1: Right. Well, of course, you have recently seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and it's been very interesting listening to your perceptions when you went to it, and now, and what time does, and your expectations. And of course, now we're going into The Dial of Destiny, which is a brand new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I haven't really read reviews in detail. I know that it's already divisive. It seems like anything popular is going to be divisive. It doesn't matter. Fandom is going to do what fandom does. Um, But Drew, what are your expectations for Dial of Destiny? And can you give us advice on how we should go into this movie? If we're Indiana Jones fans, Mm. how should we go into this movie so that
0: we get maximum enjoyment out of it? So I'll tell you this. I uh, I haven't read or watched or looked at too much of this because I think I did too much of that the last time. And I've been sort of purposefully distancing myself just because I don't really want a ton of expectations going in. And I think for me as a fan, I think I'll be better off going in with really no expectations. Uh, I knew they were remaking, or not remaking. I knew they were making this for a while. I knew James Mangold was was attached to this. He's a fantastic director, so you know I know I've liked a lot of his films. I love the actors in this. Like Mads Mikkelsen is is one of my favorites, and him being I think his name's Jürgen Voller in this or something. That's all I know. Uh, he he's a Nazi scientist again, or former Nazi scientist. So they're bringing that back a little bit. Uh, but I don't know much about it. I don't even know what the dial is. Like I've sort of purposefully not looked at much because I don't want to to know too much. And that's the advice I would give. Like if you if you don't want to read it, don't. And maybe have no expectations. And I feel like I always feel like I enjoy things more when I don't read too much about it. It's almost the curse of having information available available to you at your fingertips, twenty four seven, where you can read anything and watch anything. I try to like distance it a little bit. I don't know what you're, I don't know if you're doing that or not.
1: Yeah, I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm staying away from information. I think I saw the trailer and that's it. And I saw, you know, on Twitter and other things maybe Rotten Tomatoes impressions coming in. And I'm like, no, I don't want to read those. Um, Because I think you're right. You have to go in. And the thing is this, it seems like the world of the internet is full of people trying to mm, not just share their opinion, but it's almost like they're trying to push their opinions on you or trying to shape your opinion. And I know that sometimes is through paid people. They're trying to get you to feel a certain way, but I think it's really important to disconnect and go into a movie, remember why you love the series and just put all that stuff out of your brain and just go in And make up your own mind, you know, Um, and it's okay if you enjoyed it and everyone else didn't. Um, And likewise, it's okay not to enjoy it if everyone else did. And we've been through this before, I think, with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. To me, I think that was sort of the big, oh, what's going to happen when Indiana Jones comes back? Right now, we've got we've got that out of the way. So we shouldn't have to deal with like expectations. Right. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think someone asked it earlier in the chat, but like, I think someone brought up the Flash movie. I think that was another one that I recently saw, I saw last week, I think it was, whenever it came out, I saw it that Friday. And, you know, I had expectations going to it, but I actually had low expectations because all the all the, the negative uh, sort of buzz around it, and, you know, Ezra Miller, I don't want to go into that, but You know, I wasn't sure, and the thing was sort of in in production hell for how many years. And I thought, like, well, there's no way this thing can be good, you know. And I I sort of went in thinking, I'll watch it. I was sort of excited, and I saw, like you said, paid almost like paid people. Like there was every celebrity and and their friend coming out saying this is the greatest thing ever. And then I started to see things coming out online, people saying that it's awful. So I sort of like said, I'm just gonna go in and watch this. And I personally really enjoyed it. Is it the greatest movie ever? No, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome to see Michael Keaton back on the screen again. But I also tried not to build it up to be something like this is either going to be the greatest movie ever or it's going to be the worst movie ever, right? It's a movie and it's being made. And if I don't like it, I don't have to watch it again. And if I like it, cool, I'll get to watch it again as many times as I want because it exists. Uh, you know, I'm a big DC fan and, uh, of the comics and the characters. I know the movies are very divisive, and I don't love all of the movies. So I do like James Gunn, and I'm excited to see what he can do with the the, the universe. Uh, but, you know, I personally like The Flash as a character. I liked the show. I liked a lot of that stuff. So it was, you know, I tried to, but I tried to have, like, no expectations. And, and that's what I'm doing with this. Like, I'm going to try to... I don't know if I'll be able to see it in the theaters. I have to be sort of selective about what I see these days, but I want to, and and I think I'm going to try to go in just with an open mind. And if it's not good, then okay. Like that sucks, I guess, but I won't have to watch it again.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And by the way, I kind of agree with you about The Flash. Like I enjoyed that. You know, my wife and I I went to see that. I thought it was fun. I didn't expect it to be the best superhero movie of all time i enjoyed seeing michael keaton again i enjoyed the cameos i know people like don't like the cameos or they were too cg'd yeah maybe a little bit but yeah it's it's i think that movie got a really bad rap i actually don't know why it's doing so badly i I think it's it's not justified it it's a it's a fun superhero movie i i don't know why it's not doing well to be honest We'll have to do a stream on that one someday. (laughs) Absolutely. If you guys want to stream on other things like The Flash, Drew and I can help you out. That's for sure. Um, So Drew, you said you might go to see this. Would you be interested in coming back and having a follow-up conversation after watching Dial of Destiny?
0: Absolutely. If I can get there, I think it would be fun because... I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. I mean, I forgot that actually Antonio Banderas is in this too. I know Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it. Like there's a lot of big names in this things, and, and Mangold is directing. So I, I mean, I'm very curious about this movie. I'm very curious about it. And uh, I would love to, to talk more about it. If, if, if I'm able to get there and, and you watch it too, I would, I would love to come back if you have me.
1: <laughs> that, would be, that would be fantastic. Uh, Cecilia says, I'm excited to see Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah. in an Indiana Jones movie comedy actress she's very talented so
0: yeah uh, super funny too
1: yeah very very funny um well drew thank you so much for joining us tonight is there anything that we missed uh is there do you have any other final thoughts
0: man i i i'm just glad we got a chance to talk about crystal skull again because i feel like that one gets a bad rap and and you know i know it's number four on our list rightfully so but I also feel like I would expect it to be like number fifty on my list, and and it wasn't. So I, I I'm glad we got a, able to talk about that. The only thing I guess I I want to add is we didn't necessarily talk about um like other movies, and we don't have to go deep into this. We can talk right. about it some other time. But one of the movies that I always liked that I felt like had an Indiana Jones feel is the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Oh yes. And <laughs> And I know National Treasure comes up a lot, too, because it's sort of that adventure action movie. And Nick Cage, who doesn't love Nick Cage. Uh, But I I, I really like the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. And I feel like they remind me a lot of the serial style films. And they're done in a really fun way. And they use CG. And some of it's good. Some of it isn't. But... I feel like there's a lot of Indiana Jones feel to that and and Brendan Fraser is awesome. I'm a huge fan of him. I love his movies and and I love that original mummy movie from from back in the day. It's a lot of fun and it reminds me a lot of like the Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of feel. I don't know if you right. would agree.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. It's a funny movie. Like yeah. uh that's what I I love the humor in it and you're right. It has that kind of pulpy thing where you just want to keep watching it. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. I highly recommend it. I haven't seen the
0: third one. Have you seen the third one? No, no. Okay. I've seen the first one and parts of the second one, uh, a bunch of times that I've never actually watched it, like sat down straight through, but I've loved every part of it. I, we've been talking about doing it on our show for a while, but I, uh, I, I have not seen the third one. That's the Scorpion King one, right? With the rock. I think. Or, or uh, there's Scorpion King, or is he in the second one? I can't remember.
1: There's a Scorpion King. Uh, I think he's in the second one, and then there's a separate yeah. Scorpion King movie, right? And right, then right. then there's an actual Mummy Three, or I forget what it's called. I have called. not seen that one. And Brendan Fraser's kind of in it, I guess. I haven't seen it, but like they kind of have a different lead. Um, it, I, I I haven't seen it. I, it was a different director. Steve, yeah. I think it's Stephen Summers did the first two and he wasn't involved in the third one. I don't think.
0: Yeah. So. The first is like a classic to me. I, uh, I used to watch that one quite a bit cause that one was always on TV a lot. They would put it on like HBO or something. And I really had a, a fun time watching that. And it is funny as heck. It is really funny. So, but yeah, I, I wanted to mention that because I feel like if you are a fan of Indiana Jones and you haven't seen that original mummy movie, I recommend going to check it out it's really fun. It's a fun movie. It's funny. And it's got a lot of that action adventure to it. And it, it's just a good like adventure film. And it takes you on a journey. So I, I recommend checking it out. Very cool. Um,
1: definitely check out The Mummy Guys. Drew, thank you for joining us tonight on this amazing discussion about the Indiana Jones films. Everyone, Drew Rohaly is co-host of The Last Row Podcast. Check out that podcast. Leave them a five-star review because <laughs> they deserve it. You're going to love it. Thank you. And uh, I've got a link in the description for that. And then also be sure to come back on Sunday. We're going to have an epic discussion about Karate Kid 3 with Hayden Schlossberg, co-creator of Cobra Kai, which is going to be a big show. So, uh, Drew, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you again on Sunday.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Ken. Thanks to everyone that that tuned in and, and checked us out. I I had a blast talking about these movies. It uh, makes me gonna want to go rewatch all of them now. But thanks for the great comments and and thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely
1: true. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday and check out the Last Row podcast. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for Ken After Dark, and we will see you on another evening for another Ken After Dark. See you then. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining us tonight, and we look forward to seeing you next time on KenCast.